This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Out of Oregon, there is a case of religious freedom that is absolutely stunning. Uh, I don't often see cases that are this clear. There's a a 34-year-old man that has filed a lawsuit claiming the owner fired him after he refused to attend weekly Bible study. Ryan Coleman is suing uh, the company Dolled Up Construction, D-A-H-L-E-D, and said, uh, you know what? The owner, Joel Dow, told him that all employees were required to partake in regular Bible study sessions led by a Christian pastor during the workday while he was on the clock. Now, uh, Coleman told Dow, you know what? This is illegal. You can't do this. Dahl wouldn't budge at all. Now, Coleman, incidentally, the man who's filing the lawsuit, is half Caucasian, half Native American. So a lot of his religious beliefs happen to be Native American. Uh, The Portland attorney representing Coleman said, this is so illegal. I mean, this is crazy. Now, Dahl's attorney doesn't dispute that Dahl requires all of his employees to attend Bible study but he says it's legal because he pays them to attend. And Dahl has a background that's fascinating. Uh, for years, he struggled with drugs and alcohol, served prison time for attempted second-degree assault. He's been clean and sober for seven years. He started his company a couple of years ago with the idea of helping other convicted felons or people who have battled addictions to rebuild their lives. He says, I'm a second-chance employer. And God is a huge part of Dahl's life. Matter of fact, you go to the company's Facebook page, you'll see photos of recently completed home remodels right next to praising of God or Jesus, because this is why I did a good job, is because God determined I was going to, I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, just out there stuff. And how how Coleman loses this is beyond belief. Paid, not paid, it doesn't matter. You can't force someone to go to Bible studies. And uh, now, uh, is uh, he going to uh, be fired? It doesn't say. Uh, he has. It doesn't say whether he would. Uh, he did leave, and he's filing an $800,000 lawsuit. He should have waited until he was fired uh, for not going to Bible studies. Uh, yeah. How about that? All right. What a case. Love these cases like that. I mean, it's just so nuts. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hello, John. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, how you doing? Um, I got a question. My, uh, I lost my home a couple of years ago, and I've been getting. Uh, I had a uh, absurd on it also, which was a, a line of credit, and I've been getting letters saying that I owe them for that. Do I? Am I liable? For sure, of course you are. Of course you are. You borrowed the money. And just because you lost the underlying security doesn't mean you don't owe the money. I see. What if I borrow money from you, all right? And uh, I say, you, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a title to my car, and, uh, but you'll have a lien against my car, so at least you have some security there. And I crash, right. and I crash the car, and the car is no longer worth anything. Uh, does that mean that uh, there's no debt anymore? It's just the security is gone. The money is still owed. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're screwed. 
Uh, absolutely no case. It's getting good. You know what? I'm saying that a lot, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, hello, Barbara. Welcome to Handle Hi, on the Law. Yes, ma'am. Hi. I, uh, I was a fishing uh, woman, and I was on uh, in California, and I, I got hurt on the boat a few years ago, and uh, I had to have surgery on my book, my back. And I was wondering, do I have uh, what kind of what can I do to get him to to? It's a work. I have to go through, you were employed. To, hold on, Barbara. You were employed by the boat, right? Yes. Okay. Then it's a workers' comp case. Straight workers' comp. There's no one to sue. No personal injury. No. It, yes. 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 But it's a work. But Barbara, it's a workers' comp case. What you're going to need is a workers' comp attorney. Okay. It's not. It's, um, it's it's not a personal injury attorney. It's a different kind if, of attorney. If you're not working, if you're not working at the time, is if you were not working at the time. Yeah, it was off season. I lived on the boat. But it's still part of your employee, uh, I think. You know what? And this um, one's a little complicated. Uh, con- yeah. Contact a workers' comp attorney. We have lots of them on the website. And uh, th- that answer will be given to you instantly. Go to handleonthelaw.com. And, at, and look, there's a, whole li- there's a whole list of workers' comp attorney. All right. Joanne. Hello, Joanne. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Okay, my 19-year-old daughter was arrested for uh, DUI. Oh, congratulations. What's that? Congratulations. Yeah. Court date came. We went. She wasn't on the schedule. They said the DA would contact her. Now what? How long do we wait? Uh, Well, if it's not on the schedule, then it's just sitting in the system. And uh, what you got a couple of choices. Choice number one is just to leave it alone, and hopefully it literally does disappear in the system. And uh, the other possibility is simply saying, hey, guys, uh, we're not in the system. What do you want to do? Now, you would think at first, wait a minute, we want to sit there and let it go through the cracks and this thing just disappears because there's never been an accusation of drunk driving. It's very, very different than a uh, conviction. The problem Uh is, is that will they contact you if it does come up? Because if it's fallen through the cracks and uh, they really don't know where you are, I don't know the answer to that. I would contact uh, a, an attorney who does DUI and just to find out. And that's a one question. So go to the website. Okay. Go to handleonthelaw.com and uh, add, you'll see a bunch of attorneys, uh, some who do DUI, and just simply ask the question. Yeah. All right. All right. That should do it. That's an easy one. I don't know which way I'd go on that for sure. Okay. Novell. Hi, Novell. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Novell, are you there? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes, sir. I financed a vehicle to a uh, car lot and got it about eight months ago, and then the fuel pump went out on it. So when I tried to look it up online to try to, I wanted to repair it myself, I noticed that there was, they had a recall on the fuel line system for my make and model of the vehicle. And also the ignition switch. All right. When, when when does the recall happen before or after you purchase the car? Before. Okay. Well, I think you have a case then because they should have known there was a recall on the car. They had it on their lot. And even if they didn't have it on their lot and it came to their lot and there was a recall uh, that was uh, at that point, uh, the recall was in place. 
Uh, then you simply say, you guys are paying for this repair because you should have recalled the car, and they won't. So uh, you find out how much it costs you, and you sue them in small claims court. It's that simple. There is not much more. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Six forty, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, Monica, hello, Monica. Monica, are you there? Yes, I'd like to know if I can sue a hygienist. Sure, you can. Suing? I'm sorry. Sure, you can. Well, what kind of lawyer do I need? Well, what do you what are you suing the hygienist for? For abuse. Abuse? Pain, abuse? Extra pain that I didn't need. All right. How much extra money did you pay? Uh, I paid a couple of thousand dollars okay. because of all, you know, without going into detail. Right. And all. so uh, what lawyer would uh, represent you in hoping, hopefully getting $2,000 back? That's problem number one. Problem number two, the abuse part. Um, uh, how, what kind of damages did you have with the abuse? How often did it happen? Were there witnesses? Okay, well, all right. So what kind of lawyer can I just go and talk to about this? Because there's great details. And okay, well, I, told the story too. I know, but it, uh, Monica, the problem is a lawyer under these circumstances is probably going to charge you $350, $400 an hour. So mm-hmm. if it's if it's a two hour conversation, you're going to be writing a check for eight hundred bucks. Right. I, I don't care about the expense. All right. Well, then then any then uh, probably if you're talking about abuse, elder abuse. How old are you, Monica? I'm sixty five. Okay, so you're talking about elder abuse because you're right in line of the protected class. But again, uh, even if it's complicated, if they over if she overcharge you, the hygienist. I'm assuming it's a she because most are. I'm assuming if the hygienist overcharge you by two thousand dollars, that's one damage. Now, as far as the elder or as far as the abuse is concerned, uh, have you gone to a psychologist? Are you being treated for the ramifications of the abuse? Well, it took longer for me to get the help for my teeth because of her. I, that's, I understand, but that's not abuse. Okay, well, it's, I can do that. I can do whatever it takes. And I also want other people to know that. All right, fine, I fine. But Monica, take- Monica. So far, you're talking about a $2,000 small claims case. Assuming, okay. you can, assuming you can prove that everything she did, she, not ha- she should not have done. And you're going to have to bring in an expert on that one, too. You're okay. probably going to have to bring in another hygienist. So you're talking about a case that may cost you thousands of dollars, Monica. And if you're prepared to do that. Yes. Okay. Well, wait, wait till you start writing checks. Okay. Then we'll, we'll, then we'll see. Knowing at the end you're going to get two thousand dollars at best, or you're going to get nothing. And incidentally, does the hygienist work for a dentist? Yes, she does. Okay, be prepared to fight an insurance company. Okay, that'll throw everything at you, and then be prepared for. I'm not talking about merely hundreds and thousands. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of dollars, Monica. Okay, ten, twenty thousand dollars is uh, what I can see you filing a lawsuit. And you're prepared to spend, let's say, $20,000 for a lawyer. Okay. I, now, it, in doing this, am I going to harm the dentist? That's my maybe, only worry. Hey, no, probably not. Okay, great. Probably not. But it it's, 
But it's, but the dentist is going to end up, if there's a judgment, it's going to go against both the hygienist and the dentist. So uh, here's what I want you to do. Contact uh, any of the lawyers. Uh, you want to contact uh, medical malpractice attorneys uh, in, uh, on my website and say, I don't care. I know that it's a very difficult case. I am prepared to pay you 20000 or whatever amount of money it takes to go after this hygienist. And if they fight it, maybe it's $30,000, and you're fine with that, right? Yes. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, some lawyer's going to be one happy camper, Monica. Go to the website. Absolutely. You should call me. I'd write a, I'd say, you know what, Monica? I think it's a $50,000 case. Would you like to write me a check? Absolutely. Just to piss off that hygienist. Wow. All right. Barbara. It's uh, your turn. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Bill. Bill, uh, I have a friend that is very ill, and uh, her dad left her, left the family $13 million, and his third wife, who's the trustee, she's the one that has to okay it, and she will not okay it. And she needs medication in order to live. I mean, she's close to All right. To she, needs, she needs a and, probate. Uh, wait, wait, wait. You can I'm stop close. right there. She needs a probate. She needs a probate and a state lawyer right now. Probate. Probate and estate lawyer, because if you're talking about a trust in which the trustee is not willing to write checks to the beneficiary for the benefit of the beneficiary in terms of medical expenses, for example, there's a major breach there. I mean, obviously, you have to look at the trust. You're saying your friend is the beneficiary of $13 million? No, his third wife, and she will not give. Okay, uh, but who is the beneficiary of the trust? His third wife. I don't know. And she, so uh, she has no duty to uh, pay for your friend. No, if your friend is not a beneficiary of the trust, if the money was not left and part of the trust was to go to your friend, if she is not in the trust, there is no duty for third wife to write a check to help her. But he left, he left money for her to go to get help with the doctor. Ah, then she is a, then she is a beneficiary of the trust, Barbara. But uh, I was told that she is the only one that could sign the checks. Yeah, because she's the trustee of the trust. And let's go back. Mm-hmm. What did the trust, the language of the trust, does it say that money from that trust must be used to pay medical bills for your friend if necessary? Well, that's what I told that he left her money to, because she's been six and she's Barbara, years old. Barbara, yeah. before I hang up on you, you're not asking okay. the right question. Is the trust, does your friend, is she the beneficiary? In other words, does the trust say money has to be spent for friends' medical bills? Does it say that in the trust? Yes, it does. Then she is the beneficiary. Then you get a probate and a state lawyer because the trustee is uh, breaching a fiduciary duty. Okay, contact handleonthelaw.com, talk to a probate and a state lawyer, and uh, the probate and state lawyer will probably not understand what you're saying also, uh, because I don't think she has any idea of what she's talking about, because the story changed 15 times. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk, Bill Handle, Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Carlos. Hello, Carlos. 
you're up. Did I get Carlos correctly? No, let me try that again. Uh, Carlos, you there? Yes, I'm yeah, here. There you go. Sorry, press the wrong button. What can I What can I do for you, Carlos? Okay, I have a question. Uh, last year I was involved in a traffic accident with a minor. Um, the insurance company said that we were 50% at fault, even though the police report said she made a left-hand turn on a green arrow. I'm sorry, the police report said she made a left-hand turn on a green light. When she made her statement to the insurance company, she said she made a left-hand turn on a green uh, arrow. Um, needless to say, they blamed me 50%, her 50%. I didn't want to, I, didn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to take the 50% because I know she was 100% at fault. Um, so I uh, went to small claims, and when I went to small claims, Judge Judy picked up the case. I went to Judge Judy. Judge Judy gave me uh, the verdict, uh, 100% her fault, but she only awarded me $2,000, and my bill, my total bills to fix my car is $8,000. All right, and what's your question? The reason, well, my question to you is, 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 is do I have another case? Can I pick up the rest of the no, money that is No, 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 you can't. Here's why. When you went on Judge Judy, you signed a document that says whatever Judge Judy, whatever decision she renders, whatever amount she gives you, you will accept. And that is the final amount of money. That's the final judgment. The only thing that they do is say, we will pay the money. And they probably wrote you a check, and you agreed to Judge Judy doing this. It's a final decision, no appeals, and uh, so clearly Judge Judy did not like you, Carlos. Matter of fact, I don't particularly like you either. So uh, what can I t- And I don't even know you when I don't like you, Carlos. Well, hey, what can I tell you? Yeah, you're, you're out of luck. Carlos, you're out of luck. Very good. Then yeah. I just leave it alone. Yeah. Like, no, no, it doesn't matter. You cannot leave it alone. It doesn't matter. You're out of luck. It's over. It's finished. Now, a lot of people think that going in front of Judge Judy or any kind of those legal shows, the way it works is they don't even have to be a judge. It, it, what, what you're signing is that it's an arbitration, not a judicial determination. It's simply an arbitration in front of the, quote, judge, whether it is or is not a judge. There have been lawyers that have done it. As a matter of fact, when you go in front of small claims, quite often they are lawyers and not judges. And you simply agree that you'll go in front of a lawyer. So it's an arbitration. The difference is it is a binding arbitration. You agree to a binding arbitration. And if you look up the word binding, you know what it says? It's Binding. You don't go anyplace else. Now, in regular small claims court, if someone sues you and you lose, you can appeal it. If you, as a plaintiff, lose, it's over. A plaintiff cannot appeal. So, bottom line is, where was I? Oh, Judge Judy hates you, and so do I. Randy, it's your turn. Hello. Well, yes, welcome to Handle on the Law. Mr. Handle. Yes. Greetings. Greetings to you. Hey, look, I got a real problem. I'm I'm 61 years old. I've been a TV repairman for 35 years, and I just passed the bar exam. Mm. What the hell do I do now? All right. Well, how good are you at making coffee? Can you? <laughs> are you good at making lattes, frappuccinos, double decaf with a slice of lemon? 
I guess I could do that. Uh, yeah, well, if you want to eat, you're going to do that. But think about this for a moment. 61 years old, you just passed the bar. By the way, I'm assuming you went to um, HU Law School, and that's <laughs> Horse Crap University uh, School no, of it was, Law. It was Al's Law School in, in Riverside. It was what? Al's Law School in Riverside. Al's Law School in Riverside. And I used to say, where'd you hear about it? It was the back of matchbook covers, but they don't have matchbook covers anymore. So I don't know where they're advertising. They're probably advertising on the Internet. So yeah. with that in mind, think about this for a moment. All right, you go to a minimalist law school, a law school that has literally no reputation. You're 61 years old, and you're just now starting to practice law. There are no jobs for lawyers, lawyers, mind you, that have been out for five years. That come, that come from good schools. They've all been let go. I can hire a lawyer today. And that's a lawyer who's been out for three years that came out of a good law school. And I can hire that lawyer for $50,000 a year. And if I ran an ad, I'd have 200 lawyers apply. Yeah. It's that yeah. bad. It's that bad. So what you have is you have a law school degree. You are an attorney at law. And the only chance you have... In my opinion, the only shot you have is open up your own practice and become a become a sole practitioner. And that's it. You become a sole practitioner. You start getting clients. You have to go out and hustle and you start going to friends and family and cousins. Do you have any idea what kind of law that you are interested in uh, practicing? Well, I'm hoping to do criminal defense. Oh, good luck. Uh, do you have any friends, family that uh, are, are criminals? But think about this for a moment. All right. <laughs> Uh, If I get in trouble, if I get in trouble and I need a criminal defense lawyer, am I going to go to a guy who has never done a criminal defense case in his life? Well, do I have to tell him that? No. No. You can say you've done a hundred of them. You can lie. Yeah. I mean, that's not good. You get tagged lying. uh, You're looking at the state bar again. And you're having a really good uh, conversation with the state bar uh, a state bar investigator. Uh-huh. So uh, you, you've got a problem. So the only chance, go out, start hustling business. I mean, I that's what I did out of law school. Well, I, what, what, about the, what about the DA's office and all that? Yeah, what right. The okay, so the DA's office is looking at Harvard grads, Stanford grads, Yale grads uh, from UCLA Law School, SC Law School. We've had top grades top of their class and they want to join the DA's office and they're 22, 23 years old. You see the problem? Well, sure I do, but doesn't age, you know, the old uh, life life experience play anything at all? No. 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 I I think I could do a better job. Yeah, no one gives a rat's ass about life experience. And Uh, why do you think, why do you think you can do a better job than they could do? Let's well, say I listen to them. I, I go to some of these. I understand, but and you're convinced yeah. you can do a better job. How about this? How about law students who have spent three years interning in the DA's office? Yeah, yeah. Who have gone to top schools? I mean, how yeah, many times? Like- how many times can I tell you you're out of luck? Start your <laughs> own practice. That's the only shot you have, and that's exactly what I did. I didn't go to a particularly wonderful law school. I didn't know okay law school, not bad. And I passed the bar, stoned out of my mind on cocaine. That's I tell people, if you want to pass the bar the first time, become a coke addict. Because I think it's very, very uh, special. And I think that, uh, that helps a lot. And then I knew I wasn't going to get a job uh, at, at a major firm, even at a minor firm. So I opened my own practice. And I went out and started hustling. 
And one thing I can do is I'm not a particularly good lawyer. Really, Handel? Gee, I listened to the show. I never would have guessed that. I may not be a particularly good lawyer, but I am a great hustler. And what I did is I just started going out there, and I actually uh, started practicing law. The statute of limitations is over now, so I can say this. I actually started practicing law, and I got my first client three days before I was sworn in as a lawyer. I actually had to date the letters three days uh, beyond where I was, three days in front of the day that the client walked in the door. And he wrote me a check, and I said, not today. I will cash it in three days. So I was sworn into the bar in the morning, and that afternoon is when the letters were sent out with my name on them and it said attorney at law. And so that's what you have to do. Also, I wasn't 61 years old with a lot of life experience. Well, I don't, what is life experience? I was a coke addict and I had incredibly ugly girlfriends. That's life experience. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome back. And welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Hello, John. Hello, yes, sir. How are you? I don't ask that question. Frankly, I don't care how you are. All right, John, what can I do for you? Hi, how you doing? I'm a co-signer on a student loan for my uh, sister-in-law. And, well, five minutes after she graduated from college, she put paying on it and left me with it. Yeah. And so, uh, what's your question? My question is, I can't get a hold of her. She mm-hmm. won't return my phone calls. Yeah. What do I do? Well, first of all, uh, look at the document, all right, where it says uh, that you sign. I'm, su- I'm certain you still have the document. And you'll notice that under your name it says cosigner, comma, idiot, right? It's right yeah. there on the document. Yeah. All right, with that being said, uh, there's nothing you can do except for paying uh, the monthly payments and then going after her. And effectively all you can do is sue her. For the money that you're paying, because as long as you're paying the the company or the government or the bank that loaned her the money with you co-signing, they don't care. They're getting paid. And if they don't get paid, they go after your credit as well as hers. Now, she clearly doesn't care about destroying her credit. It's going to happen if the money is not paid. You, sir, have uh, you are going to either pay or you're going to get your credit nailed. And I am paying, and the and the payments are current. All right. My question is, how do I sue her? I mean, it's a ten-year loan. What dollar you, you sue? You, you sue her. You can only sue her for the amount that she owes you that you have paid. That's the problem. And then if I win that, and then a year down the, uh, you have to sue her. Sue you have her to again? sue. Yep. Yeah, isn't that fun? Oh, I am screwed. Yeah, no, you're completely <laughs> screwed. As a matter of fact, let's look at your documents where it says cosigner, and yeah. uh, the font on the comma idiot is uh, much bigger than the actual mm. name you have. Yeah, you got to be really careful. Daughter-in-law, cosign on a government loan, uh, student loan. I mean, would I cosign for my daughter on a student loan? Um, no. Not a chance. Alrighty. Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. I got a uh, question about a, my homeowner association. 
I'm a renter, but uh, uh, it's a, a townhome complex. And uh, what's happening is uh, we have garages and all, but my truck is actually a little bit too big to go in my garage. And there's also spaces out front for people to park. Uh, so what happens is there isn't enough spaces for the cars, for the homes that live there. So people go out there and they save their spots with one car and then come in and use it, you know, for the other one when they, they just exchange how do, them. How do they save it? Now, so they're using one spot simply by yeah, switching yeah, for, out the cars. All right. Exactly. For instance, I have a motorcycle. So what I do with the motorcycle, the motorcycle does fit in my garage. I pull it out and I save me a space that's relatively close to my front door. And then I'll go to work and come back and then put the motorcycle in my All garage right. and put my car in. So what, what's in your question? Spot. What's your question, Patrick? My question is that I'm having trouble with the homeowners. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll but, bet. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not the only one who does this. I learned this from watching the other people do it. But the only person who ever gets letters from the homeowners association is me. Yeah, because you have. Changed... Wait a sec. You're I'm the sorry. only one that gets letters for saving a spot. For saving a spot. In fact, they've, they've threatened to take the fine okay. me for doing it. All right. He, and, you, uh, all right. Hold on. So hold on. I got it. I got oh, it. Go ahead. So what you do is you write the homeowners association and say no one else is getting tagged for this. I am right. the only person in this complex, and what you are doing is selectively discriminating against me. Now, they may right. say, that's not true. We're going after everybody else, and they're, uh, it's kind of hard to prove a negative when uh, you say, no, you're not, and how do you prove, no, you're not? But I would write that letter to them, first of all. And that's easy. And what they can do is one of two things. And I've seen homeowners go both ways. They either cave, right. they either cave on your position, or they simply start issuing uh, the tickets and uh, and start tagging and uh, fining everybody else who does that. So those right. are the now, two ways I, to go I do it. Of that first, Bill, and I, I did that. I called and I wrote the I wrote an email to the person who takes care of it. Now the guy gave me a long explanation, and he said that we're not the only one, uh, you know, that we don't do this to everyone. And I asked him about they actually changed the rules in the parking area for motorcycles. I was the only one who parked a motorcycle in there, and they changed the rules in the homeowners manual to uh, exclude motorcycles under certain CCs thinking that mine was under that CC. What just so happened, mine was over, so it really didn't affect me. So, um, All right, so I don't understand your question. Said, I don't understand your question. What, what are you asking? Well, I brought it to their attention exactly what you said, that they're, uh, I seem to be the only one who... All right, and, what, and they said that's not true, correct? They said that that's not true. All right. So I asked them, could you provide me with... Uh, uh, could you tell right. me who else is getting... And they, won't, and they won't tell you. Hasn't given me anything. All right. So I, just, I would I feel do. Like I'm being discriminated yeah, of course here. you are. You are being discriminated against, and you let them know and say any action being taken against me, uh, you are in violation of both the CCNRs and you are in violation of the law in discriminating against me. Now, whether they're in violation of the law, how the hell do I know? But certainly in violation <laughs> of uh, the CCNRs, and I'd let them know. And if you have to have a lawyer letter, uh, you pay a lawyer a hundred or two hundred bucks to write a letter saying, "Hey." This is not fun stuff. We're dead serious about this. You are in violation. So uh, that's the way I would handle it. Does it work? How the hell do I know if it's going to work or not? This is Handle on the Law.